0: Welcome to the Insight Podcast. Today I'm talking to Dr. Mike Banner. Mike is an NHS GP whose interests include mental health, behaviour change, fitness and food. I talked to Mike about whether we should be skipping our morning coffee, why we should be focusing less on the supplements and morning routines and more on getting the basics right. Mike's recent presentation titled, Is Fitness Bad for Your Mental Health? I talked to him about how he lost 35 kilograms and the approaches he recommends for healthy weight loss, and much, much more. Enjoy the episode. Mike this is perhaps on the early side for me for recording a podcast I don't think I've ever recorded one quite so early yeah um you let me know that you were heading to the gym before what you hit record and then um you're coming straight back to to sit down and chat to me which I really appreciate of course your time for joining me um thanks for having me First question I want to know though is, did you have a coffee this morning? Because Mm. I think you kind of get like the subtext of this question um, that I am, you know, fully on board with the, the Huberman protocols of of the morning routines and things. And one of the things that we're hearing a lot more about now, aren't we, is delaying caffeine for 90 minutes. So not Mm. having that coffee as soon as you wake up and and, and waiting for an hour and a half or so. Mm. Um, What are your thoughts on this? Well, look.
1: I'm going to caveat this before I even start answering this question. I'm not a physiologist. I'm not an expert on this field. But I was really intrigued because actually, I I remember seeing in, actually in someone else's weekly email um, this report about uh, about delaying caffeine, and it was something that I had never heard anyone talk about. And they were talking about your yeah, adenosine system and how it's not working for the first 90 minutes, or it's working too much, or some 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 sort of explanation that just didn't it didn't really make sense to me. Um, and a lot of physiology doesn't really make sense to me, to be fair. Physiology is incredibly complicated. It's something that I studied for two years as part of my um, preclinical medical degree. And it was something I always struggled with. I think it's really, really difficult and um, really complex. And so I'm always super wary of this, these kind of brief Instagrammable sound explanations of physiology, because I think real life is, is usually a lot more complicated so I started trying to do some research into it and figuring out what actually the story is behind it and it wasn't that I was able to find out that it was wrong I was just not really able to find out any information about it at all, all right. it was like it just didn't I couldn't really find it as a concept outside of um you know a, a Huberman podcast for example mm-hmm. so I consulted a couple of trusted friends who who know stuff. I'm actually, I, I was about to say, I'm working on a, a collaborative post with a physiologist friend of mine who's also called Dr. Mike. I say working on a collaborative post. We suggested it about four weeks ago and then completely forgot to do anything about it. So I will I will get around to doing this and we will have an explanation. But my understanding is that it's not, I, I don't, I still don't really get why caffeine would be bad. I think there is something to say about how, you know, your cortisol levels are high first thing in the morning and when you first wake up. And so if you um, drink caffeine, you probably need it less at that point than you might Mm. do in a couple of hours time, for example. And so I don't necessarily think that it's bad advice to be suggesting that people delay caffeine, but I just don't think it's necessary. And I think it's, again, really interesting that we have a lot of these kind of Instagram sound bites that don't result in people necessarily thinking about what might work or not work for them we have people kind of blindly following these protocols like all oh, right okay i can't have a coffee for an hour and a half and sort of you know trying to get through a gym session or something like that i think actually to be fair i think andrew huberman did say if you're going to be training you sh- you should he have does. caffeine or it's okay yeah, to have caffeine yeah. and again i don't really know why that is either but there we go um but so yeah i mean i i again i do something really ridiculous which is which is based not in science at all but based on enjoyment I really like drinking coffee. I think it's really tasty and enjoyable. I don't really drink it necessarily for the effect. I drink it for the Mm -hmm. flavor. And I think there is a bit of a psychological kind of wake-up effect because traditionally we always have a coffee in the morning. So it kind of, it sets your day up. It's a bit like having a morning routine, I suppose. But generally speaking, I train pretty early in the morning. So the last thing I want to do is wake up half an hour early to have a coffee. So I normally just make a coffee while I'm getting ready and then take it in a takeaway cup to my training session and sip it while I'm training. This is the worst thing to do. Like, There's no benefit to it. And this is the problem is is we don't always have to do stuff because it's beneficial and because it's the right and efficient way to train. Not everything has to be optimal. Sometimes you just like a coffee and you like to drink it. And I'm okay with that. I'm not a power lifter who has to worry about you know, my C- my sympathetic CNS being overstimulated towards the end of a, st- a training session or whatever. I'm just a dude going to the gym and trying to get stronger. So I don't have to have like specific supplement protocols. It's not really going to make that much difference. And like, you know, whether I lift a kilo heavier on my bench press or do an extra one rep of my bench press, I don't know is going to make a massive amount of difference to me when I am um, training regularly regularly, Training, you know, pretty much to my capacity and um, trying to be as active as possible and trying to be generally as healthy as possible. And I think super easy to just get caught up in going, oh, but yeah. what if I miss out on my spirulina this morning or whatever, then the day is ruined. I just think we need to chill out a little bit sometimes, you know.
0: There's my sound bite. That's perfect. Cheers, man. <laughs> i be sharing that. But uh, I couldn't agree more. It feels like we are focusing on the 1%, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And we're not just getting the basics right. Yeah. Um Instead, yeah, we're focusing on the the, the supplements and the, how much Mm-mm. protein I should be getting and all this yeah. thing. When actually, yeah. in reality, it's probably sleep well, walk a lot, train hard <laughs> when you can. Yeah. Um, but like you say, it, enjoy it, enjoy it. There's a guy called yeah. um, Steve Magnus. I don't know if you know him, an American guy, um, long distance running. Uh, trainer like coach but also writes and things mm. and this is something that he goes on about all the time and yeah. he is one of the people that on twitter kind of will um you know reply to certain people that are yeah putting putting out this advice and saying like look we you're focusing on the one percent let's yeah. just let's get the basics right um so and that's, that's the- really interesting to hear
1: like I find it 's it's, it's really difficult because i don 't want to trash the one percent I think it 's amazing mm-hmm. that some people are so high functioning that they have the time to focus on all of these things and i don 't want to, i don't want to drag them down i don 't want to be negative about it i don 't mm-hmm. want to roll my eyes and scoff at what <laughs> you know what people are doing because I think that every little helps and if you know there are times when you know you want to buy a new supplement because you want to feel like you 're doing something a little bit extra. But also I think that what there is a tendency to happen with social media is people just love to talk about the things that we disagree on. Mm. And so it's really boring. If every fitness Instagram post was about getting more physical activity, getting a decent amount of sleep, reducing your stress levels, reducing harmful substances, um, consuming a minimally processed whole foods based diet and like drinking plenty of water, getting plenty of fiber. It, like it would be really boring, wouldn't it? No one yeah. would really You'd use run out of social media pretty
0: quickly. Yeah. yeah.
1: But everyone agrees that those are good things to do, except for some real niche weirdos. I get that there are some people who, who, you know, like carnivore diets and stuff like that. Think, think that that is that that's okay, but whatever. But for, for the, for all intents and purposes, most people agree on the best ways of trying to be healthy. Um, and yet, it's boring so we talk about what supplements we should be using and we talk about what time we should be training and we talk about what time we should be consuming supplements around our training and you know it it just and we've all we've all done it we've all been taken in by it i don't know anybody who has not at some point in their life consumed bcaas because they thought it would be really beneficial to their training sessions but, you know, when you're consuming BCAAs and going out for pizza after your training session, actually, I was about to be negative about going out for pizza for after a training session. But of course, go out for a pizza after a training session. What's wrong with that? Again, my point is like, we have to look at the bigger picture rather than yeah. these one little activities that we do. You know, yeah. I think it's more important that you that you train than that you train perfectly.
0: Yeah, I feel like you know, the sport, the energy drinks companies and all these different people. It feels like it started back then where they, they, they're marketed in such a way that you're trying to make everyone feel like a professional athlete, basically, Mm -hmm. aren't you? You've got to get your hydration and nutrition and all these things right. When in reality, if you've got a, if you're not a professional athlete and you're just, as you said, training to keep fit, training because Mm -hmm. you enjoy it, training because it's sociable um then just focus on that that's enough you you, you know all that other stuff is kind of is the added extras that yeah of course like if you want to go the extra mile like when i'm training for a half marathon or a marathon like in the lead up i'll Mm. i'll buy beetroot juice and and things like this and i'll just make some little tweaks because i've heard that they might make a difference but the rest of the time like i'm just kind of eating what i want and training how i like (laughs)
1: And I think it's remembering that there are different conversations happening and it's okay if you aren't part of the same conversation. Like, I don't know if, if you heard of, um, Marshawn, Oli Marshawn and his, his gym. No. No. So really great guy, really impressive athlete, um, has had like a, um, like a competitive sport background and now runs like online programs and has a, a um, I think now two gyms, I think maybe a third soon. I can't remember, but, um, I don't want to, I don't want to misquote the story, but (laughs) essentially he's, he's building a really impressive empire around fitness and, um, he trains really, really, really hard. He is in amazing shape and a lot of his, you know, a lot of the people that train with him are in amazing shape and they are amazing athletes. And it's really impressive to see what they do I went to one of their, they had like a a men's day um, about men's health, um, like for charity. And they did a workout as part of that. And I went and joined in on it. And I was absolutely terrified. But they were amazing. Like, And the stuff that I couldn't keep up with I still tried my hardest and I still did. Like I was incredibly proud of myself that I joined in on this because it's like, you know, it can be incredibly intimidating to, Mm. to do these things. And of course they were super welcoming, super positive, super kind about it all and, and really helped me get through the session but all of them were amazing at it like there are people who are amazing at training and and train at a different level to other people and it's okay that that they that they're not after the same things that I might be after for example and if I want to be after those things I do have to change how I'm doing stuff I do have to have to do better at a lot of these things but it starts with the basics it doesn't start with the 1% and I think that's what's really interesting is I think people can get upset that people are displaying what is like an unattainable idea of fitness or whatever to, to most people. But the fact is if it is unattainable to you, it's okay, but we can't expect it to be unattainable to the people for whom it is actually attainable. (laughs) Like let them enjoy themselves, let them enjoy, you know, let them do the 1%. And I think that's again, where we go wrong sometimes is sometimes we can be too critical of the people that are really pushing themselves. Um, and I think that there's, 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 a lot behind that I know that like for me in the past you know I've perhaps felt sort of pangs of jealousy about the fact that you know that they're doing so much better than me but I think if we step back and stop listening to our egos from time to time and go well actually it's okay because they've you know they've prioritized something a part of their life that I haven't chosen to prioritize Mm -hmm. or that circumstances haven't you know, haven't led me to prioritize or haven't perhaps allowed me to prioritize, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't do it or that they're trying to lord it over me or anything like that. And I think there's always this kind of sense that we feel uncomfortable about those things. So we try and we, we can try and sort of tear it down or, you know, and it's not the right thing to do either. So I'm always really mindful when I talk about this sort of stuff that actually, you know, the 1% is okay for some people, but it just, it's, We have to be realistic about ourselves and that can be the hardest thing is actually having a serious conversation with yourself and going, look, I'm not, I'm not at the level where I need to worry about this. And I've had these conversations with my coach, with my coach, Mm. like saying, you know, do you reckon I should do this? Or do you reckon I should do an extra session of this or an extra this or an extra this? And he will say to me, I would prefer if actually you max out on the things that you're doing now Mm. and do these things with more intent before we start trying to, Push you to do more of anything, um, and he's got a really good point because then when you sit back and reflect on it, you think, "Well, oh, I could just be doing the things I'm already doing a little bit better rather than trying to add stuff."
0: Yeah, just just do that consistently and stick with it for a year, two, five years. Mm-hmm. This is what we we find difficult as well, isn't it? It's like, yeah. "Oh, I've got to go on to the next thing, the next thing, the new thing." Yeah. But actually, if we just just stick at it, that's that's when we get the results. And yeah, I agree that there are amazing athletes out there on instagram and mm-hmm. yeah you might get that kind of pang of your, your ego saying oh, i wish i looked like that i wish i could train yeah. that hard but they, they can just serve as inspiration can't they yeah, and if they're exactly. not inspiring you and they're, they're making yeah. you feel uncomfortable well that that like you said that might be a sign of something you need to be more self-aware about, and like think mm-hmm. like why, why is this making me feel like this, and what, what can I do about it? But yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tricky balance for sure. And
1: I think also there's this whole thing that like if people make you feel uncomfortable, you've got to get rid of them. You've got to unfollow them. You get you know it's toxic.
0: And then I was like, well, maybe you should
1: like I get that. I think that it's important not to surround yourself with things that make you feel bad about yourself. But I also think there's work to be done on why those things make you feel bad about yourself, rather than yeah. you know feeling happy for other people um there's that um that concept medita where you where you get joy from the happiness of others and the success of others and i think it's really poorly promoted i think we're we're often told that we should be angry that other people are doing are doing well but why why can't we be happy that other people are doing well and also try and do a bit better ourselves i don't know
0: yeah so as you've kind of uh, mentioned you are you're a, a doctor a practicing g p is that correct yes. yeah excellent and on social media you 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 share on you you post about and write about a whole range of different topics from nutrition to fitness mental health all these different aspects and we've been connected for a while now, mm. and something that popped up that you posted was a presentation that you gave in London, and the title of the presentation was is fitness bad for your mental health? Mm-hmm. And uh, you've, you've got to tell me more about this, Mike. Like, wh- yeah. what what did that presentation involve? How is it that fitness could be bad for our well, mental look, health? Well,
1: look, like I, you know, obviously it's a slightly clickbaity title, tried, trying to encourage people to attend the talk, which actually didn't work particularly well, but <laughs> that's another story for another time. But um, the, I mean, the, the thing is, I think what's really interesting is that fitness has sort of become blurred with a lot of other things. Mm. And I think that all of the things that are good about fitness can be bad for us actually if we um if we carry them out in certain ways. And I think the caveat that I'd say is, is the answer to the question should always be yes. Like fitness should be amazing for our mental health because physical activity is good for our mental health. Being physically fit is good for our mental health. Mm. However, the way that we approach fitness I think can be bad for our mental health. And a lot of that is societal, but a lot of it is kind of personal backgrounds and and traumas and things like that as well. So I think the answer, honestly, is that it depends and it can depend on even the time. So I think, you know, fitness can be good for people's mental health at some parts of their life and bad for it at others. And I think it's, like I said, I think it's just the way that we use fitness. There's such a heavy focus on aesthetics. There's such a, fe- mm-hmm. a heavy focus on... um comparison and restriction. And I mean, there are so many aspects of fitness and how we use it. And if you take a typical kind of, you know, what we term to be a fitness fanatic, there are often quite a lot of toxic behaviors that people engage in around fitness, whether it's related to things like body image, whether it's related to relationship with food, whether it's related to relationship with exercise, use of exercise as a punishment, for example, use of exercise to counteract overconsumption of calories there are so many ways that it can that it can be not so great for us and you know particularly in in the world of of aesthetics with you know with like physique competitions bodybuilding and stuff like that which have now massively spilled over into everybody's life like Mm -hmm. if you think 20 years ago nobody knew what people looked like with their tops off unless they were on a beach holiday with them or unless they were their partner like you didn't. Really see people with their tops off. Now you can like see someone's name badge in a restaurant as a waiter or a waitress, and you can search them on Instagram and see pictures of them in in beachwear, in bikinis, in underwear, whatever. Like there is such a general focus on displaying people's bodies that you know everybody's everybody's either being judged for their bodies or has this perception that they're being judged for their bodies not too dissimilar to something like a, like a physique competition, for example. And so there's a lot of pressure on people to look a certain way, be a certain level of lean, um, a certain level of muscularity. You know, there's even people openly talking about preferences for different sizes of their buttocks and surgical procedures associated with that. So there's just, there's aesthetic pressure, like there's never been aesthetic pressure before, because it's not just how you look it's how you look under scrutiny in photos that can be zoomed in you know that's why you know i'm sure part of the reason why so many photos are edited and then that changes the standard that people are looking at in terms of what's actually realistic and what other people are looking like as well and that puts more pressure on them too um the the discipline that it takes for fitness You know, the pressure that can come with that feeling like you have to get up before work and go to an early morning gym session, um, you know, being rigid with our structure, you know, having, again, the social media pressure to have a morning routine and an evening Mm. routine and a middle of the day routine. And it's like, you know, where's where's the time to live life? everything has to be structured now, even if, again, you know, and it's, there aren't people on there saying, right, guys, if you're a performance athlete, you need to have a morning routine and you need to have an evening routine. They're Like, if you are anybody, you need to, you need to do these things. Mm. Sorry, why? Why do I need to do those things? If I find them beneficial, cool, I'll do them. But actually, if I find that they cause me limitations and pressure, and I'm more stressed out for the whole day because I didn't, didn't manage to do my morning like pilates or whatever then it's probably not necessarily a positive thing it might be for the person who's posted it and this is the problem we're constantly getting information from people who aren't actually experts on what we should be doing they're just people who've really enjoyed something and want to tell everybody about it but Mm -hmm. it's painted as expertise um and so it just is i just think there's like again it just comes back to we just sometimes need to chill out a little bit mm-hmm. and i think that's when fitness is really amazing when you are engaging in fitness because you recognize the physical benefits you recognize the mental health benefits you enjoy working out you enjoy training you socialize with people at the gym or in a group session or whatever um you know you you enjoy being active and you enjoy eating well and all of those sorts of things, then it's amazing. Like it's, it's, it brings so much positivity to someone's life. And, and there are so many, you know, scientifically proven physiological mechanisms by which fitness improves your mental health, but it depends what you call fitness, I think is, is, is the answer to that question
0: yeah i can't remember who said it first but it was something along the lines of there's there's a hundred reasons why you should exercise and losing weight and looking good doesn't come on even come on that list Mm -hmm. like there's all these other reasons why fitness and exercise is so so but i reckon
1: if you ask everybody who goes to the gym why they're at the gym
0: i think a significant
1: proportion of them would say it's for some sort of aesthetic reasons and again there's absolutely nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with wanting to change your aesthetics or having aesthetic goals but it's just recognizing that it's not the be-all and end-all because if you think like for example if you take weight loss you know there's a lot of backlash against weight loss like weight loss is inherently unhealthy or you know that Mm. we know that there are physical benefits to losing weight but i think that the sensible people that talk about the caveats to that and the and the the risks of weight loss our understanding of the idea that actually pursuing weight loss at all costs can be unhealthy for some people. So if somebody is aiming to lose 10 kilos and they think, right, what can I do to lose 10 kilos? So they start training and eating better and they lose one or two kilos, but that's not 10 kilos, is it? Mm -hmm. So they feel like they failed. So they need to add something else. They start thinking about detox teas or, you know, other sort of unhealthy practices or excessive restriction. They might get to that 10 kilo weight loss, but that doesn't mean that they are now leading a healthy lifestyle. I think this is the point that a lot of people are trying to make. And it's unfortunately been kind of bastardized and extended again into clickbaity headlines that make it sound like it's dangerous to lose weight. And I don't agree with that. However, I do agree that pursuing weight loss at all costs can lead to unhealthy behaviours. And actually, if we focus more on the health behaviours rather than the outcomes of those health behaviours, then the outcomes will come probably anyway, but also you'll get the benefits of increasing physical activity. You'll get the benefits of improved nutrition, regardless of whether you lose two kilos or 10 kilos or even zero kilos, because actually those those activities on their own will still be having health benefits for you. So actually, I think it's not ridiculous to move away from weight loss as a goal. I don't think that's quite reasonable. But I think that it's really hard to do because the whole of society is like built around fat loss. Like you can't really avoid it. Everything is about You know, when you have a conversation with anybody about food, oh, I'm being good today, or, oh, I didn't have a dessert, so I was healthy, or um, I want to lose weight, so I'm cutting out carbs. You know, like all of these things that you sort of have to bite your tongue a lot to not go on a massive rant about, it it just shows you how, you know, it just pervades every corner of society. Everybody wants to lose weight, but not everybody necessarily wants to be active and be fit, and you know, run around and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's quite, it's quite difficult to, um, to kind of get it through to people on a large scale because I think we've we've all been so heavily indoctrinated with these ideas for 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 decades now that it's mm. it's
0: tough. Yeah, I think the way you frame it with, you know, weight loss is good, but to a certain point, weight loss at all costs is is mm. not the way to go. And you kind of, you, you said something that I, I was thinking about to mention was that, you know, looking a certain way and building muscle and that kind of thing can just be the, the, the really nice added side effects mm-hmm. of just good habits around exercise yeah. and eating. And, you know, why not just enjoy the process? It's like yeah. anything else, isn't it, in terms of behavior change and habit forming If we're not focusing on the goal, instead we're focusing on like the project that we're working on and and the the systems James Clear talks about, doesn't he like get those right? And then you'll you'll reach your goal without you know without really thinking about it because you've become that person. Um going back to what you said at the very beginning about yeah, looking a certain way, and it's all about weight loss. I guess you know, if I was to um throw out the other side or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like take the other, the, the, the the other, what am I trying to say? The other argument against Mm -hmm. that was kind of like the, the current environment that we're in the, Mm. you know, how healthy people are at the moment Mm -hmm. and the stats around, um, obesity. Mm um, so is it necessarily a bad thing that people are looking at that and aiming towards that? Or does this just come back to what you were saying that, yes, we could um, be aiming for that, but we need to go about it in the right way. See you know what I'm getting at here? <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely do. And it's, it's, it's a, it is a really contentious topic. And so it's, mm. it's, I, I, I always try and be really balanced in, in my thoughts and ideas on this. Like, I, you know, I, I got into this whole space because I lost 35 kilos and I, you know, so I I have a big weight loss background. That was what mm. I wanted to do. And, and going through that process, I think that what I realized is that the, sometimes the best way to lose weight is to not worry about losing weight and to, you know, to do these activities anyway. But I'd be lying if I said my goal that whole time wasn't to lose weight. But I tell you mm. what was really interesting about, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but you know, I had tried to lose weight Three four thousand times, like you know on a weekly basis, I'd go on a diet and it would be you know sometimes I went on diets where I would just try and eat as little as possible sometimes I went on diets where I ate only peas and ketchup, I went on diets when I ate only grapes, you know, like I'd done some dumb things right and it's wow. you know and 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 what was interesting was that the simplest ways of dieting was what actually lost me weight, which was you know focusing on calories. But I went through every bit of every process. But when I actually did lose weight, it was very interesting. When I look back at the beginning of that time, I'd got to a point where I was I was very, very overweight. I was very inactive. My work trousers, I would order online because I was too embarrassed to go into shops and, try, and it, it used to make me so angry when I would go and try on clothes in shops and they just wouldn't fit or they would look, you know, what I perceived to be terrible. And it was, you know, it used to upset me. I hated going shopping. So I used to order trousers online for work. And I got to the point where I was ordering 40 inch waist trousers. And that was this moment where I was like, this isn't really like it had gone from, you know, 34 to 36 to 38 down to 36, back to 38, you know, like it was all fluctuating, but it was all moving in this general direction away from where I wanted to be. And I kind of thought, look, if I don't make some changes, something bad is going to happen, you know, with my health. And I thought to myself, maybe instead of just trying to lose weight, my goal should be to become one of those people that goes to the gym all the time. One of those people who eats salads One of those people who doesn't necessarily order dessert every time they go to a restaurant, even when nobody else is having dessert. Like, I don't have to do all those things. And I want to be the kind of person who has some control over this. Mm -hmm. And I want to be healthy. And I remember saying to myself, my goal is that in five years' time, I'm going to be that guy. And Even if I don't lose a pound of weight by doing these things, it's going to help me. It's going to help my blood pressure. It's going to make me feel better. It's going to have other effects. And it's really weird thinking back because I still just wanted to lose weight. I mean, that was actually what I wanted to do. But I told myself all of these things and I set about it and I had a lot of help from other people, you know, from experienced people, from social media, all of that kind of stuff as well and it just happened. And like five years later, I was that guy. And it makes me think a lot about how we frame these things and how Mm -hmm. we talk about it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of evidence that tells us that when people feel stigmatized or they feel ashamed of something, they are less likely to make changes to it, or at least less likely to make positive changes. There's lots of, you know, there are studies that show if, if, if someone who's overweight Sees an advert that makes them feel ashamed of being overweight, they're more likely to consume more calories over the following couple of days than they would do if they hadn't seen that imagery. So the idea that we need to have tough love and, you know, tell it to people straight is, I think, just, you know, it's partly rooted in a bit of fat phobia because we think it's bad to be fat, which, you know, there are negative health outcomes associated with obesity but it doesn't mean that fat people are bad and it doesn't mean it's bad like morally to be fat it, it might not be beneficial but it's not you know it's not it's not a moral judgment and I think we very much confused our health ideals with our beauty ideals and with morality and I think that's where a lot of this comes from and I think that the reality of the matter of what's happening with society at the moment and the increased rates of obesity is that so much of that is driven by our environment. It's not that people are you know, morally corrupt or unable to resist temptation. It's that literally stuff is shoved in their faces all the time. Like you wouldn't tell an alcoholic person to go to the pub and just not drink alcohol. You know that they are going to end up drinking. And I, I don't mean to compare... Alcoholism to obesity because it's very different. Obviously, we're talking about addiction, but the idea is that you know if if people are are overeating, it's because we are constantly being told to. Now there are, are of course a sector of people, and I include myself in this, that just really enjoy eating and that just don't feel like controlling it because it's very enjoyable. They like eating lots of food and they don't care about the health outcomes. That was me a number of years ago. Um, But that doesn't mean that, you know, it's society shapes how we respond to those things. Like, you know, 20 years ago, if it was, you know, Sunday night at 10 o'clock and I fancied a McDonald's, I couldn't have one because I would either have had to walk to one at which time it would have been closed or that's it. There was no option. Whereas now, if that happens, I can just press a couple of buttons on my phone and it's suddenly there. Or, you know, I can be walking down the street and there's big signs telling me to eat at McDonald's. It's quite hard to resist those things and they are designed to make us do it. And then when we get there, the meals that we are, that we are told is a, a one meal version of something is super high in calories, super high in processed foods, but very easy to consume in large quantities. And then we get to the checkout and they go, do you want to add, do you want to make it larger? Okay. And also do you would just want to add an extra like portion of nuggets or something? Yeah. I am quite hungry, yeah, so probably will. And then five minutes later, you've you've done that. You know, it, it's it's and, and and that's even without talking about cost, the difficulty in actually accessing healthy foods, the socioeconomic challenges that people face yeah. in trying to be and eat healthy, access to exercise, access to, to healthy food. There are so many Things that are at a level that is higher than us that we have very little control over. The difficulty is the only way that we can counteract this is with personal responsibility because the government isn't changing it. The food industry isn't changing it. None of this stuff that needs to happen for people as a society to lose weight is actually going to happen. So it's just left to individuals to decide that they want to lose weight and seek out education that isn't total rubbish, which is very difficult to do most people who try to lose weight end up doing it in a really terrible way that's really miserable that ends up in them putting on weight because they couldn't hack it because it was a silly diet that they went on that they found on the internet and then they couldn't they couldn't um sustain it and then they stopped doing it felt like a failure and then put on more weight as a result you know there are there it is really difficult because then you know, I have I have a lot of discussions like this with a lot of friends and some of my friends are really heavily focused on personal responsibility. And they say, well, at the end of the day, it's your health, it's your responsibility to do something about it. And I get that because that is actually the only option at the moment. It's very difficult to find the support that we need in terms of, in terms of doing that. And it is possible to do it. We've seen people do it, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. And how you do it from a psychological and physical perspective determines, A, how successful it is, and B, whether that success is actually in your best interest. Because there are are a lot of skinny people walking around who have lost weight through means that is not healthy. And, you know, they might not necessarily be healthy just because they're skinny, but we assume that they are. And I think that's what's really challenging as well. We make these huge assumptions, assumptions that health is based entirely on weight. And it's like, it's not that I'm saying... It has no base, and I think this is the difficulty: is you tend to get this false dichotomy. Whereas people either seem to think that dieting is bad and weight loss is bad, and you shouldn't have to bother losing weight, and it doesn't matter, and it has no impact on your health, or you have people thinking you have to lose weight to be healthy. Mm-hmm. But the answer is somewhere in the middle, really, isn't it? Is with balance, and it's about finding what is healthy for people, and actually giving them the support to make those health changes in a way that is realistic, sustainable, manageable and actual healthy rather than just, you know, have some detox tea and a couple of milkshakes and then you'll be fine. You might lose loads of weight and then you might put it back on, you know, but I think, I think this is part of the problem is a lot of these statistics about weight gain post dieting as well, are because generally we diet very badly you know we don't make small sustainable changes that we can manage we don't factor in a little bit of what we enjoy we we overly restrict we take away everything we love from the diet and then we understandably stop wanting to do it about two weeks later
0: Mm. so going back to that that personal responsibility how how can one go about that i guess you've you explained your, your story, which seemed like a very healthy approach that you eventually got to, like, as you said, you, you went through the dieting, you went through that kind of that miserable period of, Mm. of trying to do it in the, in the the ways that didn't quite work. But then you got to the point where you said, um, you took the responsibility and you, um, you set yourself a long-term goal, which Mm. I guess is great, isn't it? Rather than a short-term goal. Um, you thought about your behaviors. Um, so is, is that the kind of thing that you would recommend if someone is like, as you said, if they're, if they're wanting to do this, but it's so tough because that environment, I always give the, the example of the the petrol station, you go and fill up your car and then in the queue to pay for the petrol, you've just mm-hmm. got a whole wall of yeah. process crap. Always you? pay yeah. a pump. <laughs> <laughs> well some just like my, my local one doesn't have that option so no, I have to go I and know. queue up next to the crisps and the chocolate and it's like yeah, yeah I just fancy a bit of I'll just yeah. grab one and at the back of the so queue tricky. it's a very
1: easy decision to make but by the time you slowly get towards the front well, and you're yeah it's more and more chocolate bars and you like, see
0: people don't well, I you
1: I just have one you yeah, know? yeah
0: yeah is, you see people is, like umming and ahhing and the closer yeah. they get they're like look at it and then they look at it again and they go yeah yeah I'll just grab it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is completely yeah. understandable but completely so, understandable. so what do we do What do do we
1: do then, Hat? I think it's really difficult. I think, because again, the answer is different for everybody. And Mm. what restriction looks like is different for everybody. So like, for example, I have a friend that does not like carbs. So when she wants to lose a little bit of weight, she just stops eating carbs and it doesn't bother her at all. But there are many people that, you know, for cultural reasons, even let alone just, um, just preference reasons, that will be genuinely not a sustainable way of losing weight or making any sort of form of lifestyle change. So I think it's about, I mean, look, I I work with the British society of lifestyle medicine and and their sort of tagline, their their hashtag is one change. And I love that because it's, it's talks about picking low hanging fruit, making one little change at a time. Again, like, I compound change is a huge, huge thing when it comes to to lifestyle change. Like I, I like if, just take this morning, for example, I was in the gym at 6am doing a training session. If you spoke to me a number of years ago, suggesting that I would be in a gym at 6am before a day of work or before a day of anything, I would have, have like laughed at you because I thought that it was ludicrous that I could go to the gym and then do a day of work let alone at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, but I joined a gym actually that did classes and the classes were all early morning. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to try this at some point and see what happens. So I actually booked a half day off work so that I could try this early because I was scared I would be- make bad decisions or be, you know, be a bad doctor because I would be too exhausted to do anything because my usual training before that was going to the gym after work. And I would be absolutely exhausted. my mm. sessions were terrible. I was useless. All I could do is you know run a bit on a treadmill and then go home and It would take hours because, like I just couldn't muster myself to you know to actually do anything and so I tried this this six thirty a m session and did a half day of work and I was like a different person at work. I was really smiley, and I was like, "Why am I like this? What has happened?" <laughs> And I actually enjoyed it, and I thought, like, this is okay. Like, I feel all right. And then I kind of had my half day, and and it was fine. And I thought, well, maybe I can do this on a normal day. And I gradually got to the point where I was doing that four times a week.
0: Mm.
1: And then I started to go. Do you know what? There's two different sessions that they do. They do a five thirty one and a six thirty one. And when I do the six thirty one, it's a bit of a rush to kind of shower and change afterwards. And you know, rushing back into work and then having, you know, like risking being a couple of minutes late to get logged on with the archaic (laughs) NHS IT that we have to face. I thought, you know what, I'm going to try the 5.30 session. And I started doing the 5.30 session once, twice, and then again, ended up doing it three, four times a week. And, you know, if, again, if you had gone when i start, first started trying to get into the gym, if you'd gone right, so this is how you do it, sign up to this five thirty a m gym class, have a shower, go to work. If I'd done that straight away, I think it would have genuinely been a total disaster. i'd have still been going to bed at eleven o'clock i'd be you know I'd have no sleep, I'd be exhausted, and then it would have crumbled, and I'd have done it really badly. But the fact that I gradually built up to that over the course of what ended up actually being you know probably months, I would say, maybe even about a year, it turned out I was actually capable of doing a huge amount of effort more than I was doing, but you can't go from zero to a hundred straight away because you'll you'll fall apart. You have to like pick the low-hanging fruit, make a little change, you'll see benefits from it. And then make make another change. Once you're sort of comfortable with that and you've incorporated it into your lifestyle, make another one. But if you suddenly go, right, I'm going on a health kick tomorrow. I'm going to stop drinking caffeine for the first hour and a half of the day. I'm going to sleep loads earlier and get loads more sleep. I'm going to stop being stressed. I'm going to give up alcohol. Um, I'm going to reduce my calories and I'm going to cut carbs and I'm going to going to go to the gym five times a week. How long is that going to last? Mm. But if you start, you know, if you do one of those things at a time, you might find it's actually really, really powerful.
0: Yeah. Compound effect for sure. And I guess you find the more, I don't know about you, but the more you exercise, the, the, the less appealing the, the kind of the, the treaty, the sugary, salty food seem. I feel like when I'm training- I don't find that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wish, I really wish I did. I re. I, I genuinely, the one thing that I still struggle with and I think I always will struggle with is processed foods yeah. and the-, the i like I engineered to be I,
0: addictive, aren't they? So. I
1: know, but I I love them, I think, more than- most the other people. To the point I was like, um, I don't know if you've seen is it there's a couple of books that have come out recently. One is called "Processed People" by uh, yeah. um, Kimberly Wilson, and the other one is is um, Chris Van Tullican,
0: who's released another book. foods. I was thinking um, of a guy called about Henry Dim- Dimbley. Is it? But that might be something else. I might be getting confused there. Sorry. Go on.
1: <laughs> actually, which what Kimberly's book might be called "Unprocessed"? I think actually, I've got it over somewhere. Anyway, I, I digress. But I'm I'm titling these books incorrectly, <laughs> and I think Chris's is called "Processed People." But um, when yeah, I'm scared to read these books because I don't. I don't want to have to give it up because mm-hmm. I really like it. Like I went to McDonald's the other day and I had a Big Mac and it, I loved it so much. You know, there's all these people that are just like, oh, I can't believe like we've, we've been led to believe that these foods are so tasty. It's just plastic food. And I ate this Big Mac and it was the most amazing thing that had happened for days. It was so good. And I think this is the thing is I just want to be honest about Mm. it with people. I want to be honest and say, like, I really like this stuff. I really struggle to reduce it because it's so very enjoyable. But I also recognize that there is a benefit to reducing it. But perhaps it's unrealistic for me to get rid of it completely, because I'm probably going to end up then setting myself up to fail. So maybe if I'm just a little bit careful about when I consume it, how much of it I consume, you know, and, and that sort of stuff, it's all right. Mm. You know, we've all, we've all got to have some things that we enjoy that don't have to be good for us. And again, I think the important thing is to look at our diet as a big picture and as a whole, one food is not, you know, isn't your diet. Yeah. But if I was eating Big Macs every day, I would say that's not a healthy thing to do. But if you have, have one once in a while, mm. I don't think it's the end of the world
0: i guess this is where cheat days come in and like that many people swear by cheat days don't know like, you know one day a week go nuts well
1: i see actually again i i would tell you a story about cheat days i i really don't like the concept of cheat days mm. i i think that again it brings morality into it it's right. the idea that you are cheating on something i prefer the idea of considering that your diet is a whole diet and actually you can incorporate foods that you enjoy at any time or any day. It doesn't have to be on a specific day or a specific moment. It, because you set up this idea that you are cheating when you do it and that you're doing something bad. And I think that is something that a lot of people end up struggling with without even realizing. And actually one of the, one of the things that I sort of credit with, potentially being one of the most dangerous things I ever did for my relationship with food was I went on a diet that was recommended to me by a coach that was cutting out wheat, sugar, and dairy, um, which, you know, understandably massively and dramatically reduced the amounts of calories I was consuming Mm. because that was my favorite food. (laughs) And so I, and you would do that for six days a week and you would have a cheat day. Mm. So and it was like, oh, yeah, but just be sensible on the cheat day. You know, don't go crazy. And I was like, okay. And so by the first couple of weeks, it was fine. I was like, oh, I don't even crave these foods. I'm really happy just eating normal stuff. Like, this is great. I'm doing really well. All holier than thou. I'm so wonderful. I'm so moral and so, you know, uh, so pure that, I'm, that I don't need these terrible demonized foods. And then gradually I was like, right, what am I going to do for my cheat day? And I would regularly, I'd plan in like, I I would plan in like meals out on the cheat day, but I would also go to the supermarket on the morning of the cheat day and go around the whole supermarket and pick out all of the foods that I had fancied during the course of that week and had not eaten. And I would eat all of them that day because this is my last chance to eat these foods for another week. So it was like I was about to, to die and this was my last meal and then it gets better i decided well a cheat day is 24 hours long so maybe if i start it at 8 p.m on a saturday and finish it at 8 p.m on a sunday i can get in an extra dinner on the saturday night so actually very sneaky and it's still okay because it's a cheat day (laughs) and my weight didn't change i didn't lose any weight but i didn't gain any weight but what changed was my relationship with food and my relationship with what was okay to do. And it was actually another coach friend of mine who said, look, do you think if you had one Magnum ice cream every day that you would need to have four on a Sunday when it was your, you know, you would need to have a whole multi-pack on a Sunday and then you'd need to have this and you would need to have that. If you like maybe let yourself have a little bit of the things that you enjoy every day without Creating this idea of um, scarcity that it might benefit you, and I said, "No, that's ridiculous. This is working perfectly." And I carried on for a long time until I finally relented and listened to to him, and that was when sort of I started using a more kind of flexible dieting approach. Then, you know, there's problematic bits with every, with, with every way of dieting. And this is my point is that actually you can manipulate these things, particularly if you feel a certain way about food or if you feel a certain way about yourself or you feel a certain way about health, you can find ways to make things unhealthy. You know, I, even with flexible dieting, I once substituted broccoli out of my diet because there was as many calories in a Solero as there were in like, two portions of broccoli that I'd have with lunch and dinner. So I stopped having broccoli. That's not healthy, is it? Like that's insane. But in my idea, I was working within the confines of flexible dieting and this protocol that I had. So it was great. And I was losing weight by doing that. So therefore it was healthy. And you know, this is, this is my point is being honest with yourself about your health behaviors is a very, very difficult thing to do. And you can give somebody you know, I'm a doctor. I am qualified. I am supposed to be really intelligent. And I was still doing stuff like that. And this is what gives me a huge amount of empathy and understanding for people who struggle with lifestyle change and behavior change, because I know that we can tell ourselves things that don't, don't benefit us. And that even if, you know, if I struggled with doing all of that stuff and I'm meant to be super intelligent, imagine how hard it is for people who haven't been educated about health, who haven't had the teaching that I've had, who don't have the salary that I have to be able to pay for a personal trainer and things like that. Even despite me doing all those things, it was still a massive struggle. So I think that it's just about being really, really individualized in our approach to people and not and, and realizing that actually a lot of these stories that I'm telling you might not apply to other people if they did the same diet that I did. Again, because some people don't care about carbs as much as others, and it's just the way that it is. But I think that it's just worth being aware of all of these caveat stories that, like, actually, you know, going on a diet isn't necessarily the solution to all of our problems, but it can be. And it certainly can be a solution to some of our problems if we do it in a way that supports our health. And I think that's where, where, where the problem is sometimes. Mm.
0: Right. This feels like a good place to, to start wrapping up. I think you've given such a kind of refreshing take on the whole, you know, the the fitness industry, diet culture, weight loss. I, I could go on, I but so. I realise that we're kind of approaching an hour. Um, so uh, I keep saying this at the moment to every guest that comes on, you'll have to come back on because I just, oh, I genuinely mean it. That'd be great. Be That'd more be more than great. Than because I think, you know, the whole calories in calories out we could talk about that we could talk about yeah. intermittent fasting there's, oh, there's yeah. so much we I'd can love talk to talk about your take on. <laughs> this is the problem exactly. is it's like
1: for me it's kind of i guess like 10 years worth of information that has yeah. you know is has been building up over time it's really hard to compress it into a couple of sentences which is why I keep rambling and then why you know I keep going off on tangents about <laughs> no, no. about different things because there's, there's so much that's happened in that time yeah and that's just one person's story as well yeah. so you know it's i think it's really a really complex thing that a lot of people do try and oversimplify a little bit and mm-hmm. you know when when we answer most most questions with anything other than it depends It's a slippery slope. I think, you know, we have to accept that different things work for different people, not necessarily because they're wired differently or their physiology is different. but Sometimes just because their psychology is different and their background and their experience is different as well. And, you know, their general, you know, what's important to them is different as well. So it is difficult.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievably complex, but I think the fact that you've offered your personal story today and talked about, you know, some of the the pitfalls and then some of the successes as well and the just your br- brutal honesty as well about how, you know, you can have those moments of weakness and and you're, you know, yeah. all, all it's a bit embarrassing,
1: but I think like again, once you once you let your ego slide and you admit how dumb we are sometimes, I think it's much easier to then be a little bit more adaptable and to realize, like, if you don't, if you're not willing to accept that you can do stupid things, then you can't make sure you do less stupid things. (laughs) Because if you can't, if you're not willing to realize that what you're doing is, is not the best way of going about something, I hesitate to use the word stupid other than about myself, um, because I think it's quite derogatory. But, and it's not stupid of people to do these things, because again, it's what we're told you know by people who we perceive to be experts and we just believe them um but it is that the things we are doing are stupid and actually if we can accept that then we can make them less stupid
0: accept it and going back to what you said as well just to kind of laugh at it and embrace it like you're probably doing more damage by you know indulging yourself that one evening and then beating yourself up about it rather than just indulging yourself and going yeah you know that that was really nice and i enjoyed that um exactly tomorrow's another day let's move on Absolutely. <laughs> so, w- one more thing. I was just wondering, you know, because you you talk about a whole range of topics, and this can be quite a you know a, a quick fire question if you like. Uh-huh. But is is there anything else that in the kind of the the fitness, the nutrition, the mental health world that's kind of really captured your interest at the moment? Are, are people talking about something you're like oh okay, or is there anything that's keeping you up at night where you're going like what's going on here or why are people talking about it like this?
1: I mean. W- Nothing good, unfortunately. I think there's, <laughs> there's lots of things that worry me about. You know, we've talked about the um, the kind of self portrayal of expertise that we get a lot on social media. I think there's a lot of value in engagement and in clickbait, and unfortunately, less value in education and and actually good quality information. And I think that's a shame. But right. you know, I think it's always been like that to some degree, whether it's social media or, or mainstream media. But I think that it's more insidious on social media like we often know that you know tabloid headlines are silly but we don't necessarily think that instagram headlines are silly and i think that's dangerous um good stuff i mean there's a lot there's lots of progressive stuff happening in in the mental health world with you know new approaches to to therapies and treatment and you know even you know things like um, psychedelics and stuff like that Mm -hmm. which people are talking about a lot um but I think the big thing in mental health at the moment for me is just the the worries about services, service availability, and you know how people use the services that are available, I think is just very, it's very challenging at the moment. We're just hearing too many stories of people struggling with their mental health and, and asking for help, which is what we've been telling people to do for a long time and, and not necessarily getting the help that that they, they feel that they need and it's difficult to tell you know which ways which way it's going whether whether they are getting the help that they need and it just doesn't feel like it or whether they are they're they are not getting their help at all and I think a lot of there are a lot of sad stories that are going on that that are avoidable um, mm. but resources are, are difficult at the moment I think in that sector and it's very very worrying
0: all important points, all important points. Really appreciate your time to you, you know coming me. on the show, talking to me about all of this 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 range of different topics. It's been it's been oh, great. It's been it. really, really cool to chat to you. I'm gonna ask you three very quick fire questions before you go, yeah. because I ask these to every guest so you can answer, you know. You one said the last question was quick. I know you yeah. still <laughs> manage to take 10 minutes to answer <laughs> yeah, true. No, well, so this one's got to be quick fire. <laughs> okay, okay, I will be quick. I will these be these three. Um so the first one is what's one lesson you wish you'd have been taught when you were younger when you're a child
1: um sometimes i'm glad that i learned the lessons when i did because i think i think with lessons they come along at the right time however i think if i could go back in time i would perhaps remind my youthful self that you can look after your own physical health while also studying and um being really good at maths and science you can also try hard at pe as well you don't have to just be rubbish at it because it's the only one that your parents won't tell you off. For not being good at.
0: Um, What's one habit I could introduce to my life uh, that could help me feel great? Could help me feel happier? Um, Oh, I don't know if I would class it as a habit,
1: but I would just say intent. I think if we did a little bit more stuff with intent, you know, less aimless stuff, whether it's how we eat, how we scroll what we look at on the internet, what we watch on TV, whether we watch TV, I suppose, is, 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 is a bigger question. What music we listen to, what podcasts, what audiobooks, you know, I just think intent is probably something that I am trying to get better at.
0: And if you could buy everyone in the world one book, which book would you buy them?
1: This is a really difficult question, and I'm going to answer it as though i'm in a podcast not as though i'm in real life because i probably would (laughs) would give people a really terrible book (laughs) i really like a book um called think again by adam grant um it's basically about being able to think again rather than just focusing too much on the things that we believe to be true and about how we do it um I think, I think that's a really good book. And I've probably only read about a third of it, if I'm honest, like most books that I think are really good. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I know, I'm, I'm a very bad book completer, but I do know it's a really good book. I probably should have chosen one that I'd actually finished. Why am I honest about this? See, I shouldn't have said that. I should have just said, it's a really great book. You should read it. Why did I say I haven't finished it?
0: But it's all good. I've read it and I'd recommend it as well. But I actually <laughs> finished it, mate, so I can say that. <laughs>
1: See, I've stayed in my lane, but I was right anyway. But you're the expert, I think, again, bird Adam gray.
0: <laughs> hardly, hardly. Right, um, thank you so much again. People thank that you. want to connect with you, where can, where can they find you? Where can they get in touch?
1: Uh, it's Dr. Mike the uh, second on any social media platform that you choose to use? Uh, probably Instagram is the one that I use most frequently, but even that's a little bit um tenuous at the moment but i will get back into it soon i'm sure
0: (laughs) nice one nice one right look forward to catching you up again soon and hopefully you'll come back on the show again cheers absolutely thanks for having me so thank you for tuning in i truly hope you found my conversation with mike insightful if you've got any questions comments around the topics that we explored then do get in touch with both love to hear from you Now, if you enjoyed the episode, please share it with friends, family and colleagues who you think would find it interesting as well. And I'd also love it if you supported the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Cheers, and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon.